so Ken, you're telling me a Mzungu is a foreigner. <laughs> and I'm a black brother from the United States. Yeah. And I've come all the way from Wakanda. Wakanda forever! And you're telling me <laughs> I'm still a Mzungu. Uh, yes, you are, bro. Sorry to break the news. Grace and peace. This is Isaac Adams. I'm still traveling through Africa. In our last episode, I was in Central Africa and Zambia, where I spoke with Pastor Saidi Shishamba. Shishamba. Listeners, you can check out that episode. Now I'm in East Africa. The real Africa. <laughs> this is how this will go. Huh? Yes. With my brother, Ken Mbugwa. Uh, thank you for joining me, brother. Yeah, thank you for having me, bro. Uh, Ken, you're the senior pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church mm. here in the city of Nairobi, mm. and you're doing a ton of other good work training church leaders and pastors. Uh, I've traveled down here uh, to help you do that to some mm. extent, mm. traveling and teaching mm. with my brother Bobby Jameson mm. in our live audience today. Mm. And I have been, uh, we've been good friends for years, and mm. I'm glad you and I get to talk. Mm. Let's begin with the story of a transition in your church, mm. Emmanuel Baptist Church, EBC. Used to be predominantly Mzungu. Yeah. Predominantly international. Mm -hmm. Now it's predominantly Kenyan. Mm. Talk to me about that transition. Was that the hope? Was that intentional? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say um, the two brothers, Joel Weaver and Stephen Hafler, who planted the church in Nairobi, were not necessarily envisioning um, a church that would be predominantly um, made up of, um, of experts or, or foreigners. Um, but Steve Hafler, who started, was one of the brothers who started a church, he actually had a desire to reach the Asian community in Nairobi because we have about um, maybe two million um, um, individuals who have um, Asian um, ethnicity, mm. um, but are now I mean, purely Kenyan. Um, the government of Kenya actually just recognized it as, as a tribe. Mm. Um, um, in, in Kenya. So he had a desire to reach um, people in that particular demographic. So it's not all of a surprise that the church in the early days um, was heavily, not necessarily um, just purely Kenyan, it was made up of black Africans, mm. um, but was heavily white. Um, but that, again, the way the Lord works to bring about a change like that, there's many things that we might not see. So I can only speak about the things that are observable. And one of them was just the population around us. Um, the, the housing around us changed. So mm -hmm. we had single dwelling houses around the church. And um, over a period of maybe 10 years, that changed radically. And we had a, a, a dramatic increase of um, a population of Kenyans around the church. Mm. So I think automatically then we would expect as a congregation um, to have more locals coming into the congregation. So that's definitely one of the things that happened there. I appreciate you pointing out that point about the population and even the surrounding community because at least in the states and I've heard it said and I think it's a helpful saying whenever we're talking about race mm. we're necessarily having a conversation about place mm. we're having a geographical conversation mm. to some mm. uh, degree mm. so then let me ask you do you self-consciously work for unity amidst the kind of ethnic diversity your church sees now you know does that ethnic diversity present any challenges and let me just even with that question I want to make a distinction that Ethnic diversity isn't the problem. It's a gift. Uh, the problem more so is that we're sinners. And uh, we struggle with whatever that diversity might present. 
So are there challenges in your church as sinners come into contact with other sinners, other brothers and sisters who, ethnically speaking, aren't like them? Yeah, so it's a good question. So one, I'd say given the large number of um, brothers and sisters who are coming either from um, Europe or from the U.S., um, we, we did have a desire to see a diversity reflected in the eldership as well. We wanted our eldership to be as diverse um, as the congregation is. Um, and, the, and the way in which our congregation is most obviously diverse is in color. Mm. Um, so that's not a normal thing for a church in Nairobi. You'd expect that more of a church um, in some other cosmopolitan city um, outside of Africa. Mm. So we have two um, American brothers on our elder board, for example, and two Kenyan brothers mm. on our elder board. When you speak about the diversity amongst the Kenyans, given with Nairobi, in some ways we feel it less um, than, than other... Yeah, that if we're in a, in a different place, um, there's churches in our city that will actually preach in um, a, a particular mother term or dialect, if you so please. Swahili. Um, Kikuyu. So I'm Kikuyu. Kikuyu. Okay. Mm. There's multiple churches in our city that you could go to, and you will find that they're predominantly one tribe. We don't have that. In some ways, we don't even have statistics mm. on how many people you have coming from which tribe. Mm. So here at EBC. Here at EBC. Yeah. So it's fairly, uh, we are fairly blind in many ways to, to the diversity amongst our Kenyan um, 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 demographic in the, in the congregation. However, f- every five years, I keep saying, every five years, we are reminded um, which tribe we are from. So, Why is that? Yeah, so every five years we'll have an election. Okay, hold that then. Yeah. We're going to come to that. Yeah. Um, because you said something, you, you said something else. Uh, you're using this word tribe. Mm. I've been using the word ethnicity. Mm. Uh, when you talk about tribes and tribalism, so I was told there's 42 yeah. tribes yes, yes, in yes, Kenya. Yes, yes. What are you meaning by those terms here in Kenya? Mm. Yeah, so in many ways you're speaking about a language. Um, um, so you have 42 tribes, you have... Um, Kikuyus and Luos. Um, so we're not all just one tribe called Kenyan. Um, um, if, you sp- if you go all the way back, you're going to find um, we have bigger groupings, Bantu, Nilotic, Kushite. Um, but those do not really define us anymore. We are primarily defined by um, um, more, more nuanced um, definitions, which is more Kikuyu. Which tribe are you from? Um, Kikuyu um, or Kalenjin or Kamba, etc., mm. etc. Et so in our church, you would have, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, four. Day to day, year by year, we're not necessarily aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and even when the elections come, it's not, it's not which tribe are you from so much as, as it is who are you voting for. That ends up changing, um, changing all of that. So we'll come to that. Uh, and it's interesting what you're saying about at least here in uh, Nairobi, because in Zambia, for instance, I was talking mm-hmm. to Pastor Saidi, mm-hmm. And he was saying tribalism is not the same thing there as it is here in Kenya. Yes. And he said that tribalism in a, there is, in, is tribalism in a classic sense, mm. uh, but it's more realistically a kind of favoritism. And he said not the kind of tribalism that requires gun and spear. Mm. I can't do his act, gun and spear. He said, so are people in Kenya tribalistic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so if... If you go out into the marketplace, if you say, um, oftentimes you'll find if you're, if you're trying to get a document in a government institution um, or something, if you can speak the mother tongue, 
Um, it's not to say everything is going to go, you know, easy for you, mm. but it definitely helps. Mm. You know, if I can communicate to you with a language that shows there's something we have in union mm. um, together that, you know, you do not share with the entire population, mm. that's definitely going to help. And I think even that level of tribalism is a case. You'll notice this when it comes to weddings and marriages. Mm. So even in the church, um, someone who might be a, a, a robust Christian, I mean, it's, you know, understands theology, lives a, a, a godly life. Oh, when it comes to marrying off their daughter, mm. this is very common when you'll hear moms and dads say, yeah, just do not bring me somebody from that tribe. And you go like, hey, mom, dad, like, you know, what, what's that about? They're like, well, I know they're Christian. I know they're this. I know they're this. But mm. their culture and their this or their that is just different. So that's very, very common. I was, I was talking to one of the, the younger church leaders here, and he was saying he, with a big smile uh, that he's getting married next year. Uh, but he said, please just pray for us. We're from two different tribes. Yeah. And our parents are... Neither set of parents mm. are in favor. Mm. Um, but Ken, the other night at dinner, when you did all of the talking, uh, you said <laughs> you said no one is tribalistic in Kenya. What did you mean? No one's no one's a tribalist. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you if you if you ask if, if, even if you're to ask my mom or you are to ask an older lady in the church or an older gentleman in the church, are you are you tribalistic? Right. If you are to ask Ken Mbugwa, are you tribalistic? We, we don't see ourselves like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nasty term in mm. some senses. It, it acknowledges all this evil and junk, mm. prejudice, right? Um, I'm, 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 that, I'm that guy who James too is accusing. Mm. I, I surely couldn't be that bad of a Christian. Um, so I think we're all blind to our tribalism. But, but for me, actually, it's just a couple of years ago that I can acknowledge having, you know, struggles with other areas of sin, but not tribalism. But a couple of years ago, I just noted how evidence in my life was pointing me to a different reality than what I thought was um, my reality, which is I'm not tribalistic. And the evidence that helped me see that actually I might be more tribalistic than I actually acknowledge was how I vote. Mm. Um, so I was having a conversation with my buddy and who's not my tribe, he's Luo. And I mean, he's a good friend of mine. Um, we serve on the same staff at church. Um, and as we are talking, I just noted, I was like, you know, it's interesting how he's giving me all the reasons why he voted for the guy I didn't vote for. And I'm giving him all the reasons why I voted for the guy that I voted for. He's very strongly opinionated mm. about his position being the correct position. And I'm very strongly opinionated about the fact that actually, I think my position is the one that is correct. And when I started looking at it, I was like, you know, it's funny how all of my friends, um, if I look at us, it seems like the tribe you're from in many ways ended up dictating the, the person you voted for. Or, or at least the person you did not vote for. Um, and Bobby and I are just looking at each other going, hmm, maybe we yeah. have more in common than we think. Yeah, Keep going. yeah. So, so at the very least, what that made me do is just suspect myself. Yes. Just say... Be willing to interrogate yourself. Exactly. Your own assumptions. Yeah, and just say, hey, if this is a dear brother, we agree on so much theologically but we seem to disagree so strongly when it comes to our political choices. Might it be that actually we are blind and we are more informed by our tribe 
than we think we are. Mm. So, so we verbalize thinking we're just expressing innocent, neutral opinions based just on our rational assessment of mm. the facts in front of us. Mm. But every kikuyu happens to agree with my conclusions. Mm. And every law happens to disagree with my conclusions. Mm. And, and, and just like yeah, the, the, the scientific evidence in front of you seems to argue about something that we are disagreeing with, mm. which is that we are more tribalistic than we really are. Yeah, so I was going to ask about how deep tribalism is in Kenya. It sounds like it's a deep thing. It was, it was curious to me that one Zambian pastor I was talking to, this wasn't Saidi, this was another brother. Mm. He said he was just kind of, and it, it makes sense if tribalism really isn't that much of a thing there. He kind of asked me why Americans are so fixated on race. Uh, why, why it's so deep in our kind of thinking. Uh, and I, the analogy I gave, and it sounds like this is at least applicable to Kenyan tribalism, is that trying to take racial thinking, just racialization, thinking in racial categories, out of American, uh, the American conscious, the American way of thinking and interacting is a bit like having a glass of milk, pouring dirt in the milk, mixing it around, mm. and then saying, okay, now get the dirt out of the milk. Mm. You would just, if I, if I gave you that test, you would look at me kind of like that's a fool's errand. Mm. And, uh, and I think it goes to say, that's why uh, I really do think we need, we need the milk of God's word. As Romans 12 says, uh, Romans 12 talks about the renewal of our minds, how we have to have the renewal of our minds on these categories, on these ways of thinking, because they're so deeply ingrained. Uh, and now someone might hear me say what I just said and say, I'm, I'm blind to it. I don't think about it, like you were kind of saying a second ago. And I, I simply just asked that person to tell me about the church they go to, the community they live in, and the school they send their kids to, and tell me about the racial demographics of those places. Because it shows that, yeah, this has actually affected us a lot more than we think, even if we think we're blind to it. It sounds like you guys have yeah, a similar thing here. Stuff. So I want to, I love that phrase from you. It's good stuff. <laughs> well explained is what I meant. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I love yeah. when you say good stuff. Um, okay, let's, you've brought it up a number of times. Yeah. So one challenge I want to ask about mm. is the Kenyan presidential election that happened in 2017. Yeah. Uh, in the States, uh, you might have heard that we had a toxic election mm. season in 2016. Mm. I think plenty of pastors would attest that brought about unprecedented challenges. Mm. So I think we can learn from you here. Um, first question, well, my first question is, do people vote along tribal, tribal lines? Yes. Okay. That was clear before, but it's clear now. Yeah. Uh, and there, I'm sure there's always the exception, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, enough on tribal lines that the elections, um, or rather the campaigning for the elections are, you know, that's what they appeal to. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to be coalitions, it's coalitions made up of tribes. Um, so that the way they'll calculate, are we able to win the upcoming elections, is by asking, um, does our, is our coalition made up of the majority of tribes? And if we have the majority of tribes, then we're going to win the elections. In fact, there's a guy um, who did um, uh, an assessment, like did math before, um, not this elections, but the 2013 elections. Mm. And he, he was calling it a tyranny of numbers. Um, where he says, look, if you just look at the guys who made up that coalition and then you count the voters in their tribes, 
there's no way it's going to be possible to um, to to win that election against those guys. Because you can count on the tribalization of voting that heavily. You can depend upon it that much. Got it. Yeah. What challenges did the election present socially? So in the community, you talked about riots, you talked about shootings. Yeah, yeah so... I mean, we can all go to the polls, we can vote in accordance to our convictions, we all believe what we have done is the right thing. Um, however, the, the turnout was, um, the, the conclusion that the electoral board came up with was disputed, right? Um, the opposition argued that the elections were rigged, um, and, and that has brought about mass chaos in the country. So Kenya descended into a very, very tense time. Um, and in times like that, the secret ballot that you cast, right, when it's just you and the ballot, all of a sudden becomes something that's more um, visible in, in your social relationships because now there's chaos on the streets. Now there's news consistently um, every evening about shootings that have happened, um, buildings that are being burnt. And what the, 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 the way we've been hiding our differences or even our tribalism on a you know year to year basis, now we are very clearly on different sides, mm. um, politically and socially, and our opinions are not just about who did we vote for, but there are very evident ramifications to who we voted for because people are actually dying and right. and there's chaos on the streets. So so opinions start of course being shared about you know who do we think you know is it the police who are right is it the rioters and that's what um, I want to say about tribal what were the tribal responses to those challenges yeah. you know did the you were i think you were saying was it the yeah, kukuyu yeah. who said well it's just law and order yeah, yeah, if yeah, they yeah. just got their act together yeah so so if you go if, if in the same way in which we voted mm -hmm. when it comes to the way we are assessing the news that is coming out it's on the same lines mm -hmm. so if you voted for the president um in many cases majority this is not like you know i didn't, sure. I didn't sure. track everybody down right. but the, the clear the, the opinion of those who voted for um the one who was declared as winner is well the police are just trying to do their job but those who voted for the other particular you know for the other individual who lost the opinion is the police are being brutal this is abuse of power they are using more force than is necessary you do not respond to a person who is throwing a stone with a live bullet Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think as a church, that's when stuff started becoming a little bit more um, we need to address um, um, yeah. what's going on now, because you cannot keep ignoring this and say this is just your political opinion, because we're getting to the point where there is clear evil um, that that is in front of us. And yet, even in that case, we are still trying to um, soften a conversation using big broad terms as opposed to speaking about specific instances that are right in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. So for example, we had um, right next door here, it's Kibera. Um, it's one of the biggest slums in Africa. And we have members of our church who actually live there. Mm -hmm. So if you watch the news, it's a cleaned up version of the story, right? Mm -hmm. um, hey, so this is what happened. We're just trying to maintain law and order. But then you're hearing a story from somebody who is in that situation. And they have multiple instances, right, where it is clear that was excessive force. Mm. That was not the way in which to go about it. Again, nobody is indicting the entire police force. Right. But then also when Christians are faced with um, cases where there are um, this wrong that has been done, but our response is just a, a, a political one, which is, 
yeah, well, it's law and order. We want to keep it generic. Mm-hmm. You want to keep it broad. You start getting brothers who are starting to get very offended on the other side now mm-hmm. because they're like, wait, you clearly don't care about our plight, mm-hmm. right? Because they are identifying with the people who are actually on the other side of the brutality, right? right? And they're identifying with them very personally. But the responses that they're getting in charge from, let's say, the Kikuyus like myself, it's all just broad. Well, you know, even those guys were wrong. And these are the people in church who are, in theory, in, pa- in practice and faith, Lord willing, the closest to them, supposed, the ones who are supposed to bear their go. burdens. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, so as a congregation, we felt like it was necessary to, um, to address that. So let me just remind, just something you said earlier that I think is being mm. teased out, as you said, the divisions and the tribalism was there, but every five years, uh, it gets revealed, you, you know, yeah. and I think that's a helpful distinction because people want to say these things create these divisions and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, mm-hmm. they simply reveal them in the same way. My marriage did not create any sin uh, in me. It might, it that's might simply reveal a short temper or whatever it might be. So then, okay, uh, let's get to this. You felt the need to address your church mm-hmm. about the division uh, that was occurring. Uh, and you, you were telling me you spoke about strength and weakness. Mm. You talked about the strong having an obligation for the weak. Mm. What do you say to your church, and why do you say it? Yeah, so one, I don't think I said enough, um, and I don't think I said it often enough, mm. and I don't think I said it strongly enough. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, um, one, I think I was concerned by the fact that um, we uh, our, our, our tribalism has sunk so deep in our hearts that... Um, two things we have lost sight of. The stuff you guys have talked about so well already, which is we've, we've lost fact that the, the value in another human being ultimately lies in the fact that they're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. But then when you come to church, it's so clear that we've been so blinded and informed and um, in, you know, um, influenced by our tribes that even the transformation that we have in Christ um, seems to not have change the way in which we um, opinionate mm-hmm. when it comes to matters as serious as um, violence or people who are hurting, people who are crying foul. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we don't seem to sympathize with, with those who are hurting. So what, what we talked about that morning was um, just the reality that it, it's important for those who are strong to pay um, attention to the, um, to the cries of the weak. Um, so for us, for example, um, if you look at our history as, as a nation, you have had um, primarily one tribe ruling. Um, so we've had at least three Kikuyu presidents. I'm Kikuyu again. Um, we've had at least three Kikuyu presidents. Um, the country is made up of 42 tribes. Now, you know, for Kikuyu, that just seems like that's the way things ought to be. You the know, normal. This is the normal. I do not see what the issue is. Um, but then you start thinking about um, individuals from other tribes who feel disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like, like we, we are a significant and important part of this thing you're calling Kenya. Mm-hmm. However, you know, for the last couple of decades, it seems like it's only one tribe that is having the say. Now, I'll tell you what, there's very few Kikuyus who lose sleep at night with that particular concern. Um, but you start listening to the other brothers speak, start realizing, listen, we're the majority. We're the ones who are not complaining. But there's someone else who's speaking about a pain and a heart. It is very foreign to me. 
and it is important for me to be the one to work very hard um, to understanding, to listening, to giving a benefit of the doubt, as opposed to leaning back and saying, you need to do a better job of convincing me that there is any legitimacy to the heart and pain that you're currently describing. So, so the responsibility here clearly belongs to, to the strong, um, to lean in, um, to be the ones who are humble, to give in as much as possible even. And by strong, you mean the ones who have had historically the authority, yeah. the, ma- the majority, yeah. the authority? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, yeah. they're not superior not in any way. Right, not their physical. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. more that in this particular situation, I'm not the hot one, I'm not the offended brother. Right. Um, and I need to li- really listen um, to that individual. And, and it took, for myself, sadly, right, um, I do not think that, you know, in my Christian life, I've been a believer for coming close to 20 years now. A majority of that time, I've not been aware of, of the pain or the heart, right, um, that, that my lower brothers, my, um, my, my brothers from other tribes actually have been struggling with. And, and there's legitimacy to that. And it's a legitimacy that is also promoted by a political system, which is a winner-takes-all mm. kind of a situation. Mm. So long as you win the majority vote, you get the particular seat. So a little bit of scheming, mm. right, on how to actually go out and do campaigning, mm-hmm. um, you win. And so I can go back and say, well, you see, um, it, was, it was done correctly as far as the political structure but ignore that even if it was all done legally without any rigging, there's still legitimacy in the fact that more than half the country feel ostracized from the rule or the governance of this particular country that they supposedly belong to. And and so this time, especially with this election, people started getting to the point where they're saying, we don't feel Kenyan anymore. Mm. People actually saying stuff like this on Twitter saying, I hear the anthem play and I don't feel anything for it. Mm. I, this is the time when I felt, you know, least proud of actually being mm. a Kenyan. And it's because consistently they've got to the point where they feel like they're actually being ostracized from the control and rule and governance um, of, of the country. So that morning what we said was... Um, Multiple things. One, when this is the are, morning after the election. This is the morning after. Well, it's the, the morning sun- left. There, there was there was chaos going on on the streets. Ah, okay. And I'd, I was talking on the phone with a couple of our members who were trapped in 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 Kibera. I mean, this is a guy with a little child, and he's talking to you about the fact that you know they're shooting. There's tear gas everywhere. Mm. Um, he's discipling a couple of kids in Kibera. They are terrified. Mm. Um, they've all had to come and look for safety in his house. And, and when you're hearing tales like that, the excessiveness that um, is going into controlling or, or incubating the chaos from spreading to the rest of the city, um, we felt like it was necessary as a church to say, it's in times like this that we need to be very um, sensitive to any form of injustice and make sure that as a church we neither remain silent when there are clear acts of injustice happening because that silence is, is, is affirming it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's legitimizing it and saying that even when we're sitting in the comfort of our own homes, um, the opinions that we are sharing in that very home, even in our hearts and in our minds. If we are watching that and we cannot sympathize with, yeah, forget, there's one guy who threw a stone, but there's a whole lot of people um, who ended up being hurt by it. If we cannot sympathize with that particular individual, we are siding with something that is clearly not biblical. And and we need to be those who will stand up and even call our government to account mm-hmm. and say as, 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 as believers, on a Monday to Saturday, um, the, the opinions we have, the position um, that we take should not be informed by the tribe that I'm from, 
but on clear issues of right and wrong mm-hmm. um, that are happening in our society during a time such as that. Ken, you're a beefy preacher. By that I mean you preach beefy sermons. Which means long. <laughs> long but beefy. Mm-hmm. I was here on Sunday, you preached a wonderful message from mm-hmm. Psalm 89, brother. Um, but and just in your, you lay out your sermons ahead of time, and it was actually Jeremy, who's a white elder, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure what you would call him here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was preaching out of Obadiah. Hmm. which talks about laughing at the plight of others. Hmm. In Obadiah 12, it says, but do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Now, contextually, Obadiah is about judgment on another nation, Edom, not the people of God. Uh, So this, of course, is directly most applicable to God even protecting his own, which would be your whole church, which is made up of multiple Hmm. ethnicities. That being said, you talked about a particular application point of saying if this isn't even acceptable from another nation to God, God's people laughing and gloating over one another, how much, how much, how much more, in a sense, is it that much more unacceptable among the people of God? Mm-hmm. You were talking about Jeremy, because he was white, mm-hmm. being able to be a bridge. Can you just talk about that for a minute? And then yeah. I have a few more questions, then we're yeah, going to pray. That's actually Jeremy who spoke more about that. Um, he said that he is the godlier yeah, of you two. <laughs> So I shared a, a statement that I had written out um, during the prayer time, and then he was the one preaching. And that preaching, of course, was super appropriate for the very time that... And we it was not planned. It you was were not you planned. already preaching over exactly. diet in your, your church's diet. Yeah, so he did say that a couple of people were um, came up to him and were saying, given he's not Kikuyu or Luo, um, the stuff that he was saying was, um, yeah, there's no way of saying that he's trying to favor one side um, or he's trying to overcompensate you know, for being Kikuyu, and now he's saying some crazy radical things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's condemning all Kikuyu. Yeah, exactly, yeah. condemning all Kikuyus. But he's just clearly exegeting the text and drawing out implications for us as a congregation. So that was useful. I, I would say, however, um, that I don't think any of us get away with, you know, I wish I was white so that I can, I can have a neutral position in this, you know, conversation about tribe. Um, it is important that um, I speak in such a way that is so... It, the, the allegiance needs to be not political correctness, um, but rather standing with what the Bible says. Yeah. And I think there's a tension there sometimes where if I'm Kikuyu and I feel like, you know what, my lower brothers actually, there is an aspect in which they are maybe reacting or responding to this particular conversation that needs to be addressed. Yeah. But for the sake of political correctness, I will not touch that particular conversation. I don't think that's what we're necessarily being called to in this particular situation. It's harder to do that. Mm. For me as a Kikuyu, it's easier for me mm. um, to address my fellow Kikuyus, to be hard on my fellow Kikuyus. Um, but if I stand with God's word, I actually will most probably address both Kikuyus mm-hmm. and Luos. Yeah. And, and there's not enough of that really going on. Um, and I think that does weaken us as a congregation right. if I only have a word um, for half my congregation and not both sides. Exactly, because even if you're wed to the co- politically correct side, you're still wed to a side and not yeah. to the text. Yeah. Um, briefly, a, a, a lot, some last few questions. As an African who lived in the States for a short time, yeah. do you have any reflection about the state of race in America? Any thoughts? Yeah. That's an easy question, right? It is. Um, it is not. Um, yeah, I mean, one, the conversation is happening, and that's a good thing. Um, I pray that it is humbling. 
um, to churches, to leaders, um, to just be surprised um, at how we all struggle with the most basic of things after we think we have learned and done so much. And I, and I just listening to you, I am nearly, I'm almost encouraged, but I'm just disturbed by how we're in such a different context facing, frankly, yeah. such the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's like why God calls us to, you know, grants to us the gift of marriage. Um, when everybody's thinking of someone who's so good, you go back home and you realize, man, I struggle with the most basic of things of loving and serving my wife. And I think racism in the U.S. in some ways for us, especially as Africans who have received a ton from the West, um, and we look up to your churches and many of your leaders and come and find out and say, hey, look, they're just sinners like us. Um, mm -hmm. They're struggling with um, with this reality. My opinions are one. I'm thankful for the fact that the conversation is, ha conversation is happening. I, I, I hope it gets to the point where there is more freedom mm -hmm. in the conversation. I, I'm, I'm not sure there's enough of it as an outsider listening. Mm -hmm. Meaning um, I'm not free to say a certain thing? Or... Yeah, I, it feels... What do you mean? I mean, this again, talking about not being politically correct. It feels to me as though... Um, the white Americans in, in the context of the local church either, oh man, please forgive me for listening to this because I'm most probably wrong at this, but you well, you live opinion. in You live in Africa. Yeah. No one can come over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allow me to, yeah, they, can't, yeah. they, can't, they can't find me. I'm, I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> Don't Google me. Give them an alias um, as far as my name goes. You are on Twitter. That'll be in the show notes. This Go is ahead. true. So, so it feels to me as though I, I, I come across two types of white Americans, either one who are like, I'm not a racist. Like, um, what you talking about? Like, you know, I have one black friend, you know, um, I'm okay. And I'm like, I'd, I'd rather hear a bit more humility in suspect yourself a little bit more. Right. Um, instead of starting off with show me the evidence, um, starting with a prayer of Lord, show me where the, you know, where, where I'm blind. Declare um, to me my hidden faults. Yeah. Um, so that's one type. But then the other side, I feel like it's almost overcompensating. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a, it still doesn't feel very genuine to me because it's this whole thing of, you know, I start confessing and asking for forgiveness before I truly understand or even hear mm -hmm. um, what is it that I've done, I've done wrong. Um, and you've um, just moved your potential racism or hate or whatever prejudice from one community, a minority community, to your own brother, to your own white brothers and yeah. sisters, like you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so I, I hope that the conversation can get to the point where it can kind of go back and forth a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I think the African-American community that is, is, I'm speaking about the church especially, um, where there's, you know, there's heart, there's pain, some of that is, is historical, some of that is current, it's natural that as, as one is expressing pain, I, I cannot expect you to express pain in, you know, and I'm judging like whether you put the commas in all the right places and whether you use the right tone in absolutely everything that you said. And, and I feel like there, there can be statements that are made um, or a way in which the conversation is handled that, that perhaps, you know, amongst the African-American brothers, there can be a... Um, some self-caution, some self-checking. Hey, we want to use as as, as accurate of a of, of a phrase or or um, addressing the wrong committed in in as biblical of a way as possible, so as to actually give to us the opportunity to repent of it and actually start finding ways of growing mm -hmm. um, out of this. And right now, 
apart from the guys who are saying I don't see myself as a racist, this other side, I'm not sure they're really helping the conversation by just confessing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sat with couples like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I sit down and the guy says, no, I'm the problem. No, it's just me. Yeah, I'm the really horrible one in this particular relationship. It's just, yeah, I just need to repent. And I look at them and I say, this is not genuine. Mm-hmm. This will not work. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're, you're just taking in everything. You're not acknowledging, well, this is true. I think I'm struggling in this particular area. Um, however, I think you can help me out by doing one or two or three things. Then I feel like it's more of a constructive conversation happening that gives to me more hope. Right now, the conversation does not seem like that. The half, well, the portion of the white Christian brothers that are confessing, they're just like saying, it's all us, we've been really horrendous, please forgive us, and I'm, I'm not too hopeful about how that conversation is moving forward that, so far. Because it can just be ultimately not even about growing out of those things, but saying, I've confessed, or just making myself feel better, or yeah. whatever, paying my sense yeah, of emotional yeah. penance. Yeah. We need to keep going. Yeah. Can you do have dealings with Americans, particularly American missionaries? Mm. And you were, I appreciate you, brother, saying you know, you're thankful. Mm. Um, I became a Christian from the ministry of an American missionary. Praise God. And I'm glad you said that because it shows that God uses those missionaries, despite what I'm about to say. Uh, because you've taught me a lot about the state of the African church and the lack of health, the sickness across the churches. And that sickness, sadly, seems to be at some level connected to the ministry of many well-meaning Western missionaries, uh, specifically with the way they either raised up African leaders, and by that I really mean how they didn't raise them up, or that sickness has come with ways Western missionaries have passed off their ministries to Africans. Can you elaborate more on how you see the sickness in the African church connected with Western efforts here, however well-intentioned? Yeah, yeah. so I'm always nervous about stuff like this because I'm like... I'm a critical guy. Um, you are. It's, it's, this is true. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any good in it, um, but it's nonetheless my um, my observation or my opinion that um, the Lord sometimes does a lot of good um, through us, but also despite us, and that's a that's a that's how I pray for myself and my own ministry currently. I'm um, sure that is the even sentence today. of my life. So that even as we, we, we critique one another as an African brother to an American missionary, for example, it's not so much, uh, you know, here's one who doesn't have any flaws speaking to you who has nothing but flaws, but rather saying it in a way that I hope is constructive and useful, especially to those who are thinking of coming out or those who are already on the ground um, and saying, hey, from your African brother, here are some things that I think would be um, criticism aimed at helping you. And I think one of those is the, the, the ambition, right? Um, there's, there's guys who've come to a continent and there's such an ambition to um, do great things and great things to them equate to plant many churches, um, have and, and make many disciples. So, so it's, it's almost as though Africa becomes a project, right, um, to show how my system, my method, my strategy works. And you're not really talking about dear brothers you love, you care for, you respect, you are, you know, united to, you are, you're, you're looking forward to standing, you know, in heaven together with them. We become just a project. It becomes a, we'll come over here, look, we rolled out our rapid multiplication, this and that, and 
hundred churches planted, this done, you know, pastors trained. It's all statistics. And I think that's very disrespectful. It, it does not speak of individuals who are loving, caring, um, aspiring at seeing locals built up. Instead, we are thinking about, um, yeah, just kind of proving the model. You know, like, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to go too far into that. But Well, l- let me, let me spare you that yeah. and let me just ask you one, one more just drill on this a little. You've, because you said, uh, yeah, when ministries failed, uh, yeah. when, when ministries failed after they were passed yeah. off, the conclusion some Westerners yeah. often draw yeah, yeah. was that Africans can't do this. They can't lead ministries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you give them the money, they can't manage it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, so yeah. let's not give them the car keys lest they crash. Yeah, yeah. What was it like when you realized that some Westerners concluded that? Yeah, so that's me growing up and I think just hearing those comments over and over. Okay, my, my world was a smaller world and um, many times we, you know, there's multiple missionaries who I'm very thankful for um, and multiple churches are handed over and issues sometimes would come up um, from those churches that were handed over mm-hmm. and um, quality of teaching sometimes would not be the same as it was when the missionaries was around. Um, there would be issues that would come up about maybe how finances are being handled, etc., etc. Many cases where it went very well, other cases it didn't go well. But I, I did get to a point where it became a standard thing. I kept hearing that, yeah, when you hand over to a national, things typically do not go better, they go worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it's hinted more than stated. Um, other times it's more of a... You know, Ken, you might disagree, but I tell you what, I've seen this. You know, it's happened many, many times. Yeah. Um, so that becomes kind of evidence of, to me, to me, it does become racist, doesn't it? Because you, in essence, what you're saying is, um, when I hand over to an African, things go bad. So, okay, let me see how you're thinking about that. The problem here is his Africanness. That's actually resulting to this. Nobody would ever state it like that. Of but there's enough hints inside there to actually make me think that this is what you're concluding. So this actually became one of my problems when I was growing up and thinking, okay, there is stuff that they're saying that is, you know, true in the sense that a majority of those who are my brothers, um, as they're handling God's word, as they're leading churches, I'm actually seeing um, a result that is um, is not what it ought to be. But my conclusion was not the problem is because they are. They're Africans, but rather tracing it back to it might be they have not been equipped as they ought to have been equipped. Right. It might be the whole process of identification of who ought to be leaders in those churches was not done as, in as careful a manner as possible. Right. So if someone gives me car keys and I drive into a ditch, yeah. it matters of whether or not they ever taught me how to drive. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you reached a point where you said the problem can't just be yeah. the African. Yeah. It can't just be that. Uh, last question, and then we'll pray. Yeah. You were talking about a brother, a white pastor in the States, who you asked to come help and teach in Africa because mm. you trust this brother. And I hope that goes to show that even with, you know, I think the good criticism you just mm. provided, which I think is helpful, mm. um, you, you partner with many. I mean, Bobby's sitting here. He's the blondest thing for 100 <laughs> miles somewhere, somewhere <laughs> in every direction. Anyway, uh, you asked this brother to come help mm. and teach. And his response was, why do you guys need me? Yeah. And you found that to be refreshing. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, because, um, again, I feel like I've, yeah, I've, I've seen cases where um, we've set up Bible colleges and, and, and offered people diplomas, um, and yet the, 
the individuals who have been allowed to teach in those colleges might not have been allowed to teach in Sunday school back home. Mm. Um, I've sat in classes like that. Mm. Um, I've sat in classes and, and my conclusion in those classes and the feedback I gave actually was, uh, this brother should not be in Africa teaching the next generation of pastors. Mm. Um, and I think it becomes, it, become, it can become an insult to us um, if you, you clearly are, are not sensing that there's any need of, a, of any form of qualification um, to actually come and give instruction here in Africa that you would never be allowed to give um, in America. So, so there's some patronizing that's happening there and, and assuming that um, even though I have nothing, it most probably is everything on the other side. An assumption of, yeah, I'll come to Africa. Of course, they need me greatly um, to be able to do um, to do this and that. And I, I, I loved the assumption, even if he was wrong, I, I, I love the, the, the assumption of why do you really need me? Mm. As opposed to the assumption, of course you're from Africa, you desperately need me. Mm. Which I think is what I come across more often um, than the other. And, and maybe blame CNN. We can blame CNN for a couple of things. <laughs> um, the depiction of Africa is, um, can lend itself to that kind of a conclusion. And we can save that for another episode. So... Uh, Ken, I've talked to you about this. What, uh, what we're doing on the show is not only talking to one, one another, Lord willing, we're talking to our Father. Because while we sit here as a Kenyan, as American, as uh, African, and a Mzungu, uh, the good news is that uh, whatever, though we come from uh, different tribes, we know that the Lord's people are made up of people from every tribe. Uh, and that is our great hope. And so we pray, pray to the Father, our Father, the uh, our prayer begins. Uh, so, brother, I would love if you just grabbed anything, any of the themes we've mm. talked about from this time, uh, if you prayed, mm. and then I will pray. Okay. And uh, let's do that. We'll be done. Father, we ask that you would um, have mercy on us, um, Isaac and I, even as we've had this conversation. Um, I think it's impossible to talk about matters like this without sinning. Mm. Um, for our blindness is so deep, um, our sins so hidden um, when we talk about matters of race or tribalism. And so, Lord, where we've misspoken, would you have mercy on us? Would you be so kind as to not only forgive us of that, but to actually begin by exposing that, um, that we would continue to learn um, how it is that we ought to think of one another, um, how we ought to think about this very problem and this very sin, um, how it has affected us, that we would see how it has affected us, how it has affected our relationships, how it has affected our, um, our opinions, perhaps even the very opinions expressed in this very, um, in this very podcast. So we ask for your grace and for your mercy there. We ask for grace for our congregations. Um, Lord, would you so renew um, our minds that um, we would see our identity um, not in our social economic standing mm. or in our race or in our, um, our, our tribes, um, but that you would so renew us to, to see ourselves as you made us in your image. Yes. Would you teach us all of the implications of the fact that we have been made in the image um, of God? Um, would you allow the way in which your church especially um, um, functions, the way in which we relate to one another, 
um, to show that the gospel has indeed um, changed us. Lord, Lord, as a church um, here in Kenya, we um, we have failed you miserably, and, and we ask that you would pardon us for this, um, for, for we have oftentimes um, failed to show the onlooking world that we are any different from them. Yeah. Um, for Lord, when it has come to our elections here in Kenya, we have acted, thought, or you know, spoken in exactly the same way as those who have not been converted, do not have the Holy Spirit, um, inside them. Um, and so we pray for grace. We pray for an, an outpouring of your spirit upon your people um, in this country, especially in Kenya, um, that you would allow churches as they grow in maturity to also be transformed, um, especially in the area of how we think um, about one another. We pray especially for um, for our, our our parents, those those who have children um, and, 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 and are marrying them off. Would you allow believers here at Emmanuel um, um, that, that we would be those in conversations with people from other tribes as they have conversations regarding um, giving in marriage and marrying. Um, for those conversations to be so gospel informed that any unbelievers who are present there would be astounded by the transformation, um, by the renewed thinking of the Christians um, that they are talking to. Um, Lord, we pray for sensitivity. Uh, we pray that you would give to us um, a sensitivity to the weak who are amongst us, to those who are hurting um, and yet are silent, um, to, to those who feel misunderstood, to those who feel um, unheard. Um, would you allow us to be those who would um, be so empathetic, um, be those who would um, weep together with them, yes. um, that they would um, not only hear the gospel coming from um, from our mouths, but 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 see that gospel displayed in the way in which we we respect their pain and we stand um, together with them. So work in our hearts. Um, forgive us for the hardness um, that is in our hearts, and give to us soft hearts, um, tender hearts, affectionate hearts, compassionate hearts um, that allow us to actually be able to um, to weep together with those um, who weep. Um, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would allow. Um, the, the effect of this in your church to be that the gospel would shine all the more brightly, um, that you would allow unbelievers who come into the congregation and come into contact with us, that the gospel would be um, would be made all the more attractive because they see the ways in which it has transformed um, this life yes. um, in the in the church. Um, that these who are so different um, socially, ethnically, um, live together as one. Allow our 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 fruit to increase as a direct result of of aiding us as a congregation and as a church in Kenya um, to grow in the ways in which um, we treat one another um, as those who come from different tribes. We pray for our brothers in the U.S. and our sisters there as well um, that you would grant to them much grace. Lord, give wisdom um, on matters that are way more complicated um, than many of us can be able to understand. Um, I pray that you'd allow, um, even in the current disagreements that exist there, for there to be such a patience with one another, um, that, that, that brothers would seek to outdo each other in, in forgiving one another, in being patient with one another, with bearing with one another. We pray that those churches would not come up with any demands um, for each other um, other than the demands um, that have already been met by Christ yes. so as to extend um, fellowship um, to each other. But we pray that you'd also promote the quality of the fellowship, um, that it would not uh, be fellowship that is built on um, silence where there is an offense, 
uh, but that there would be such genuine oneness um, and, and a freedom in the gospel, that there would be um, an expression um, of, of wounds and, and hearts um, that actually exist. And when those are expressed, Lord, would you allow um, for there to be many who would hear and sympathize and empathize, and would your Holy Spirit bring true conviction and contrition that would lead to a genuine and sincere repentance that can come only from you. Um, so, Lord, we look to you to grant to us as your church everything that we need um, to be what you have already made us, which is one in Christ. Uh, we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Father, we pray to you as broken men, but men who are complete in Christ. We pray to you as men who the world says are unrelated, but as brothers in Christ. Father, we pray to you as pastors who lack wisdom, but who have a God who says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And so we're here to ask, Lord, for that wisdom that is pure and peaceable, full of mercy and good works. Father, we pray Brothers, sisters, Lord, Father, we confess our callousness. We confess the times we've been hardened. And Lord, there have been times where we've not only not admitted that, we've actually dug in. We've actually even compounded our callousness. Lord, would you forgive us for that? Father, we have hidden faults. We don't know ourselves completely, but you see all. So we join the, the psalmist who prays, Lord, declare to me my hidden faults. Would you in your mercy show us these assumptions that we think are completely neutral and show us the way they work against our unity, against our love for one another? Father, as my brother prayed, uh, the world will know we're your disciples by the way we love one another. So would you help us to love one another in a shocking way to the world across ethnic lines, within ethnic lines, within tribal lines, across tribal lines? Help us to not think that we can just say we don't care about these things and act as if they have no bearing on our life. And even if they don't, help us to see how they bear upon our brothers and sisters. Father, your word says that love is patient. Would you give us this kind of patient love, a love that doesn't keep a record of wrongs or election votes? Mm -hmm. A love that doesn't keep a record of opinions expressed a love that covers a multitude of offenses and a love that is honest and stands for what's right. Lord, we don't know the time sometimes to confront and the time to forbear. Would you give us wisdom to that end? Father, would you give any pastor listening to this uh, conversation, to this prayer, Lord, wisdom about how to shepherd his congregation 
whether he be in Zambia, whether he be in Kenya, whether he be in the Congo, Lord, whether he be in the States, Lord, wherever he may be. Give that brother wisdom. Give this, give the sisters listening to this podcast wisdom, Father, we pray. We do pray for the churches here in Kenya, Lord. We do pray that you would continually promote fruit mm. and healthy fruit. Amen. Lord, we don't want the bad fruit of doing things according to our own wisdom. We want the fruit that comes from faithfulness to your word. But above all, give these brothers faithfulness. Give the churches here faithfulness, Lord. Give Ken wisdom as he leads his efforts here. Father, give him the courage as, as he humbly confessed that he didn't say enough, mm. he didn't say it strongly enough, and he did not say it often enough. Mm. Lord, help him to go in just the opposite way. Amen. Help me to go in just the opposite way, Lord, mm. to speak strong enough, often enough, and clear enough, and biblically enough mm. that your church may be built, and that your church may be one. Mm. We know we're one in Christ because of his work, because of his resurrection, help us to live in that reality, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sawa, thank you for joining us, brother. It's so good to have you on the show. I'll put your Twitter handle in the show notes so people can send you all of their comments about this and all the criticisms you had to offer. I'm just kidding, brother. This is uh, tremendously encouraging. Uh, you've been listening to PrayPod. You can find our United We Pray. You can find more about us at our website, PrayPod.com. You can email us at PrayPod at gmail.com. I'm one of the hosts, Isaac Adams. I need to get to the airport uh, to fly home to my beautiful family. So, Ken, I love you, brother. Thank you for joining I us, man. Love you, Go.